0: Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influencers Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influencers.church. And now for our message.
1: I was in a meeting some time ago, probably about a year and a half ago uh, with some of our interns here uh, at Influencers and we're having a bit of a Q&A session and uh, towards the end of the session, one of the students asked the question, what is the hardest thing to deal with in ministry? What's the hardest thing you have to deal with in ministry? And I thought about that for a moment. I thought, you know, maybe they were expecting me to say, you know, it's, well, it's, you know, it's dealing with uh, people's or meeting people's expectations. Uh, maybe they thought I'd say, you know, leading in a social media culture. Maybe they thought I'd say, you know, trying to juggle all the different things that you have to carry, family, social life, church life all those different responsibilities. But the answer I gave, and, and for me, this is true, and I, I believe this for many of us, is that the greatest challenge I have to deal with is what goes on in here. Yeah. Is all the different thoughts that run through my mind and trying to determine what thought is from God and what thought isn't. Yeah. What, what thoughts should I entertain because they're actually good for me? They'll add value to my life and my future. And what thoughts that run through my mind should I not entertain because they're not good for my life or my future? Well, what thoughts should I accept because they will impact my life in a positive way? And what thoughts should I reject and push back because they'll impact my life in a negative way? You know, and, and I, although that question was, you know, poised towards pastoral ministry, the truth is that it doesn't matter what you do, what area you're involved in, whether you're a student, a parent, a teacher, a healthcare worker, an accountant, a lawyer, what, a childcare worker, whatever you do, I believe that that's one of the greatest challenges that all of us deal with, is, is trying to decipher through the different thoughts that flood into our mind day after day and work out what's, which thoughts should I accept and which thoughts should I reject? And I say that this is so important because what you allow, what thoughts you allow to take root in your mind can determine a lot of what your life looks like. In Proverbs 23, verse seven, it says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. They. What we think about, what we subject our mind to, what thoughts you accept and what thoughts you reject will have a huge impact on how you view yourself, on how you view life, on how you view others, and most especially on how you view God and what He's like. And if you give power to the wrong thoughts, if you allow thoughts that are not aligned with God's heart to establish in your thinking, they can really affect your life in a negative way. You know, I've been on leave, I've been on, had a break for the last two weeks and caught up in a lot of Netflix, it was awesome. And uh, just (laughs) stood out and did some stuff around the home and, just refreshed and reset for the second half of the year. But I I spent some time also just praying for us as a church and just asking God, God, where where are we? What's happening right now? And, And something that I felt the Holy Spirit impress in my heart is that there are many of us who have been getting attacked in the area of our thoughts. For some of you, you've been having an unusual amount of bad dreams in this season. For some of you, your mind has been getting bombarded with a fear that something bad is going to happen to you. For others, you've been wrestling with the thought of guilt and shame of things that you have done in the past. For others, you've found your mind filled with all sorts of of, of thoughts of of self-doubt and uncertainty. For others, something negative that someone said about you or to you years ago has has just in this last season come back into the front of your mind and is eroding your self-confidence. And then for others, you've been fighting these thoughts that you won't make it, that things won't ever get better and the best is behind you. And the Word of God is that the enemy in this last season has been attacking you in the area of your thinking and has been especially seeking to corrupt your view of yourself and your view of God. But I wanna encourage you today that the Holy Spirit is on your side. That the Holy Spirit loves you too much to allow that to go on any further. That He knows you've got a great future. You've got a great purpose. He cares about your career. He cares about the call of God upon your life. He cares about your family and your relationships and the way that you look at yourself. And so the assignment the Holy Spirit has given me today that I pray will help you is to be able to expose the lies and the deception of the enemy so you can be set free to keep living the life that God has called you to live. There's a passage of Scripture that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, verse four to five. He says this, he says, "'The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. "'On the contrary, they have divine power "'to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What I'm believing for as I speak today, as I share today, is that over these next few minutes, the Holy Spirit will highlight to you any thoughts that have been trying to take root in your mind that don't align with His heart. Any lies, any false things that have been trying to get in that the Holy Spirit will highlight them to you so that you can take them captive and reject them out of your life. And so what I wanna do to help you to do this today is I wanna remind you of three simple ways to identify what thoughts are from God and what thoughts are not? So that you can know what to accept and what to reject when it comes to the thoughts that run through your mind. So the first way we, to, we can identify if a thought is from God or, for a, or if a thought is from something else is to recognize that God's thoughts always lead to something good. God's thoughts always lead to something good for us. You know, if a thought enters your mind and you're not sure whether that's a thought from God or a thought from some other place, one of the first questions you wanna ask yourself is, will entertaining this thought lead to a greater sense of joy and freedom in my life? If I accept this thought, if I entertain this thought, will I find a greater sense of joy and freedom? Because Jesus said this in John ten ten, He said, I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. What that means is that Jesus did not come so that your life could be filled with a greater sense of shame or doubt or worry or despair. He didn't come so that you could now live with an increased sense of fear or depression or anxiety or uncertainty. He certainly didn't come so that you could continue to view yourself as worthless or not valuable. In fact, if you've been wrestling with that thought, if that's a thought that's been running through your mind that you're not valuable, that you're, you're worthless, that you're nothing special because the people around you maybe had made you feel that way, well, I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you to consider that if you are worthless to Jesus, why would He pay the highest price for you? Why would He lay down His life for you? Why would He come and give up equality with God and humble Himself to a position of a slave and die a criminal's death upon the cross and and become poor so you could become rich if you weren't precious to Him? You mean more to Him than you could ever know. But maybe you're thinking, but Tony, Here's the thing, maybe he thought about me that way once. But I gave my life to Jesus and I felt that, but the thing is I've made a lot of mistakes since then too. I haven't always made the right decision. I haven't always done the right thing. I've done some dumb things. And I know that Jesus is disappointed with me. I know that He's upset with me. I just feel that He can't still feel that same way about me because I've let Him down so many times. I just can't believe that He wants to bless me. I can't believe that He has good for me. I almost feel like He should punish me. Well, if you're thinking that, then let me read something to you that I pray will encourage you. Something Paul wrote, it's amazing. It's in Romans 5 verse 10. It says, If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of His Son, now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of His resurrection life. He's saying this, he's saying, if Jesus offered you joy and peace and acceptance and love, when we were at our worst, when we were filthy, rotten sinners, and we said, we don't want anything to do with you, God. If He offered us all of that when we were at our worst, now that we're at our best, in other words, now that we've been made righteous through Jesus Christ, now that all of our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, well, you can be sure that you will still receive all of those things. If He gave it to us in our worst, you can be sure He's given it to you now. And you're not gonna lose out on those things. And He hasn't taken them away. No, He wants to bless you. He loves you. All the promises of God will never be taken away. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 11:29. he says, for God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. Irrevocable. <laughs> that means without repentance, it means that he doesn't change his mind on it. If he decided it, it's settled. He's not gonna change his mind around it. Yes, we stuff up. Yes, we make mistakes, myself included. But thank God, his grace covers it. And it doesn't change the way he sees us. It doesn't change the good that he has for us. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human, that he should lie not a human being, that he should change his mind. God promised you joy, He promised you peace, He promised you life, He promised you abundant life through relationship with Jesus Christ and that hasn't changed and never will. Here's why, because it was never dependent upon your performance. It was only ever dependent upon His unconditional love. That never changes. So if you've been wrestling with the thought that God isn't for you or God is out to punish you or God wants to withhold from you, I want you to know that nothing could be further from the truth. God is never looking to punish you. He's only ever looking to bless you. And so when a thought enters your mind that differs from that, you can be certain straight away that it isn't from God. And you can reject it because you know that God's thoughts only ever lead to something good. A thought from God is only ever uplifting, encouraging, value adding. Even when it's challenging or correcting, it's only to lead you to something that's better for you. His heart is always to bless you. A thought from God would never put you down. It'll never make you feel worse about yourself and it will never put you in a place of discouragement or despair because a thought that is from God always leads to something good. The second way to identify if a thought is from God or not is to recognize that God's thoughts always align with His Word. God's thoughts always align with His Word. a thought ever enters your mind and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then it's not from God, period. Because God will never fill your mind with a thought that is contradictory to His Word. In Matthew chapter four, we read about the time where Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. It says in Matthew four, verse four, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. You see, the reason that Jesus never fell for the devil's lies is because he already knew the truth. He knew the Word of God. He was the Word of God in flesh. He knew the truth so when the enemy came with deceptions and lies, he could identify it straight away. You see, this is one of the reasons, church, why we need to be in the Word of God on a daily basis because His Word is truth. And when you know the truth, it is easy to identify a lie. Yeah. Psalm 119 verse 160 says, the entirety of your Word is truth. Yeah. It's full of truth. I don't know about you, but I've started watching this TV show, Hunted. Does anyone watch that TV show, that new TV show, right? I've actually got into it a fair bit. I've actually watched a couple of other series in the UK because I was so into it, right? I'm like, I wanna be on that show. It's gonna be awesome, right? Um, and uh, basically, if you haven't heard about it, the premise of the show is that they have about 20-odd contestants, and they get on this show, and they release them in the middle of the city, and essentially, it's a reality TV show where they're you know, pretending to be, if you like, fugitives on the run, And so they release him in the city and they put on disguises and they try to hide. And and for 21 days, at least, they have to survive without being caught. So they have this crack uh, team of surveillance. uh, Crack, that sounds terrible. This uh, expert (laughs) surveillance team, let's say that, right? Expert surveillance team. And they've got like, you know, ex-detectives and and social media experts and, and people that can get into all their phone and their email and they get CCTV. TV footage and like all this sort of stuff. And they've got people in cars and they're, and for over those couple of weeks, they're trying to find these people. And if they capture them, they're out. But if they survive the 21 days and they get to this extraction point, they get a cash prize, right? And um, so they're like monitoring all their communications and things. And obviously the idea is to try to be off the grid as much as possible. But people make mistakes under pressure and they sometimes contact a relative or a close friend. And so this surveillance team, they pick up on the communication unknowingly to the contestant. And they, they decide they're gonna go around to like a relative's or a close friend's house and interrogate them and say, you received a message, you got a phone call from this person, we wanna get more information because we're trying to track them down to catch them. And most often what happens is when they get to the relative's house and they ask them this question, have you seen so-and-so? They're like, no, nah, I haven't seen them. I haven't spoken to them for ages. I don't know where they are and straight away they know that they're lying. (laughs) But if they didn't have the information beforehand, if they hadn't intercepted the communication, they couldn't be sure. They wouldn't know. Are they telling the truth or they actually being deceptive? But because they already know the truth, they immediately know that it's a lie. Church, we can use the Word of God in the exact same way. The Psalmist writes that your Word, in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, the Word of God illuminates for us the lies of the enemy, stops us from being tripped up by them so that we can continue to walk out the things of God because it is full of truth. Jesus said in John 8, verse 31, He said, if you abide in My Word, you're My true disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from the lies of the enemy and his deception, free from the things that he tells us that try to bind us and trap us because when you know the truth, it's easy to detect a lie. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Notice what it says. Those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night. That is who will be prosperous. Delight and meditate. You know that word delight, in the Hebrew, it means to desire, to take pleasure in, to value, to long for. And the word meditate, it means to continually ponder on. So it's saying those who long, who desire, who who value the Word of God and have it ponder on it, have it running through their mind day and night, they shall be prosperous. You know, In the eyes of the world, to meditate often means to empty your mind. Empty my mind of all these things, just get into a space, place of, my mind is clear, but to the believer, to meditate means to fill your mind, to fill it full of the Word of God. I was on, as I said, on holidays recently and um, I came across this guy on YouTube who is a competitive eater a competitive eater, right? I'm like, what is this? And, um, and it's this crazy thing, right? So there's these, these people who competitively eat food. And uh, you see, they've got videos and competitions and they have like, you know, they might have a plate of food, like this humongous plate of food that could feed like 10 or 15 people and they'll eat it in like 10 or 20 minutes. It's like, it's, it's a little difficult to watch, I must admit, right? But I came across this one particular guy his name is Joey Chestnut, right? Joey Chestnut, American guy. He's currently ranked number one in the MLE, the Major League of Eating, right? This is a legit thing, right? I, I didn't believe it was real either, but it is. But this guy, he currently holds 55 world records. And the one that he's most known for is eating, listen to this, 74 hot dogs and their buns in 10 minutes. Here he is, here he is. Look, he's got his like world championship belt of eating. It's hilarious. 74 hot dogs and their buns in 10 minutes. That's one every eight seconds. You see, just like bang, 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 just shoving it in, right? It's crazy. And I'm watching this, I'm going, how on earth is he doing that? Well, like, That's amazing. And I'm like, oh, I have, to re- I have to find this out, right? I have to research this. <laughs> well, what the, how on earth do they do that? I'm thinking, you know, are they genetically different? Is there something going on? They've got multiple stomachs. I'm like, what's happening here, right? <laughs> so I do this research to get on there. And basically, all they've done is they've trained their body over a number of years to be able to consume as much food as possible in the shortest amount of time. And they've been able to control their gag reflex and like being sick and things like that. And they've able to stretch their stomach so that it just like comes out like a beach ball because it's just been so stretched over time, right? It's like changed my life. When I found that. that was like amazing, right? Um, I thought this is crazy, but then when I thought about it, I thought, you know, when it comes to the Word of God, we should be like competitive eaters. Yeah. <laughs> we should be like trying to munch on it every day, trying to get as much in it into our bodies as possible, into our minds, we should fill our minds so full of the Word of God, that there is no room for anything else to get in. You know, if we could just fill it so full, then the lies and deception, there's no room for it to take root because there's so much truth inside of us, so much truth in our mind that it creates like a protective barrier around us. Because when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. It's easy to identify a lie when you know the truth. Jesus was teaching one day at the end of this particular teaching. He encouraged the listeners with these words. He says in Matthew 7 verse 24, He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He says, The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So in front of me here, I've got, I have a rock and I have a pile of sand. And I want you to imagine this with me this morning as Jesus was speaking there, that this rock represents a person's mind who is full of the Word of God. And that this pile of sand represents a person's mind who is, who is full of the things of the world. So this rock represents a person who's been in the Word of God that has filled their mind with the truth of what God says, and this sand represents a person's mind who hasn't. And then I want you to imagine that in this jug, this water represents the lies and the deception of the enemy. And I want you to notice what happens when the lies and the deception of the enemy come against someone who's filled their mind with the truth of God's Word and someone who hasn't. You see, when you've filled your mind with the Word of God, you're full of truth. When the lies and deception of the enemy come upon you, they might touch you on the outside, but notice they can't get on the inside. Notice they can't penetrate further. We can't stop them coming, but we can protect ourselves from them going any further. But see, the person, the person whose mind hasn't been filled with the truth of God's Word, that's just been filled with the things of the world, the things that that social media says or other people say or or, or, or the world just convinces us of. When the lies and deception of the enemy come upon that person's mind, notice how all of a sudden it tends to suck it all in. It doesn't just touch it on the outside, but it gets right on the inside. It, It even changes what it was like from before. It actually becomes so much part of it that it's almost hard to separate it from it because there's no protection because they don't know the truth. And so whenever a thought comes, how do I know whether that's real, whether that's a lie or the deception? So I just take it all in because I'm not sure. You see, Jesus is saying, build your life upon the Word of God. Fill your mind so full with the Word of God And you'll always know what is true and what is lie, what to accept and what to reject. Can I encourage you, church? There is a truth in the Word of God for every lie of the enemy. Every fiery dart of the enemy, there is a truth to fight it back through the sword of the Spirit, the sword of His Word, amen? If there is a particular lie that you're struggling with, I would encourage you, get a Scripture or two that speaks truth against it. And keep professing it over your life morning and night and push back that lie. Do not let it take root because there is the truth for every lie of the enemy. So the first way to identify if a thought is from God or not is to recognize that God's thoughts always lead to something good. The second way is God's thoughts always align with His Word. And the third way is to identify And recognise that God's thoughts always draw us closer to Him. God's thoughts always draw us closer to Him. And perhaps May can join me. In Genesis 3, we find Adam and Eve living in perfect intimacy with God. In the Garden of Eden. They're perfectly intimate with God and it's amazing. And then one day Satan approaches in the form of a serpent. And this is what it says happens in Genesis three, verse one. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Well, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You will not die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God knowing both good and evil. And unfortunately it says the woman was convinced. She saw the tree, that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And look at this, verse eight. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and the wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Here's the thing, church, before this moment, Adam and Eve had never hidden from God before. Everything God had ever said to them, every way God had ever made them feel had never made them want to run and hide from Him. It had only ever made them want to be closer to Him. It only ever made them want to be in His presence. And then the one time, the one time they choose to entertain a lie from the enemy, all of a sudden now they want to be separate from God. Now they want to pull away from God, you see, because that's exactly what the enemy desires. He can't have your soul if it's secure in Jesus Christ, but he can disrupt your relationship with Jesus. All he had to do was to infiltrate their mind with a thought that got them to question the character of God. And then they started to wanna separate from God, be fearful of God. Listen to me, church. God will never, ever fill your mind with a thought that makes you feel you need to pull away from Him. He will only ever fill your mind with things that make you excited to draw closer to Him. His heart's desire is to be in relationship with you, to commune with you, to walk with you, to speak with you, to provide for you, to protect you. He desires with His whole heart for you to be in His presence and Jesus Christ committed His life so that you could. Hebrews ten nineteen to 21, it says, so friends, we can now, Without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of His sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is His body. If a thought ever enters your mind that makes you feel fearful about drawing near to God or makes you feel uneasy about spending time with God, or makes you uncertain about being able to receive anything from God, then you can be sure that it's a life from the pit of hell because God will never, ever fill your mind with a thought that pushes you away from Him. He'll only ever fill your mind with a thought that draws you closer to Him. So three ways you can identify if a thought is from God or not so that you can know what to accept and what to reject. Number one, God's thoughts always lead to something good. Number two, God's thoughts always align with His Word. And number three, God's thoughts always draw us closer to Him.
0: I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.